I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align podcast. But then, as you see, you get bored with being merely happy. And you start getting adventurous. You get involved in more and more far-out situations in which you goose yourself, you thrill yourself with the idea of being out of control. Let go, let go. So therefore, in the, you see, again, by studying our own energy patterns, we begin to understand what's going on in general. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's fantastic episode, we are having part two with uh, my buddy, Dr. Jack Cruz. Um, in this episode, we get into all sorts of fantastic wormholes in relation to hacking body fat via the utilization of light, eliminating EMFs and various different things that you might not be thinking about. Um, we get into, what else, neural entrainment and training between football players, between musicians, between each other in general, um, all sorts of really great stuff. Most people look at fat as a bad thing. I no longer do. I actually, it tells me that the environment that that person is in is incredibly toxic with non-native EMF and blue light. And what is that doing? It's dehydrating their cells. And as the cell dehydrates, the mitochondrial respiratory proteins spread out and they get sicker and sicker and bigger and bigger. And that's the reason why obesity is tied to many other diseases. I'm currently presenting this introduction here in Costa Rica. I'm down here for a few weeks and um, hosting a little workshop here at a music festival called Envision and uh, then headed up here in a few days to Nosara to meet up with Dr. Eric Goodman, another good buddy of mine, and now we're going to be recording some more podcasts up there, so tune into that. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find the self-care kit. And, uh, and of course, you'll be able to check in to learn more about uh, the guests on the podcast and uh, the work they're doing, books we mentioned, so on and so forth. Um, I got a quote for y'all today as I'm sitting here. I'm actually sitting underneath a uh, coconut palm tree. Uh, hopefully you guys can hear the birds right now. I'm like surrounded by birds chirping. No monkeys. But um, we've got my book here. Quote from Mr. Robert Green. Quote we got for today is... Uh always say less than necessary so that is from law four from the 48 laws of power uh read a little intro to it when you are trying to impress people with words the more you say the more common you appear and less in control even if you're saying something banal it will seem original if you make it vague open-ended and sphinx-like powerful people impress and intimidate by saying less the more you say the more likely you are to say something foolish that is the state of probably the first like 50 episodes of this podcast <laughs> or I was talking way too much there is a good possibility that people still think that I talk too much I apologize in advance if that's the case uh, 
But yeah, interesting concept. Just thinking into how we can say more with less, really valuing our language, every word that we produce, thinking, recognizing that it is energy expended. And sometimes I spending time with people where it's just like feels a lot of air being expended from them. It's 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 very tiring for me to be around. And uh, I noticed that with myself. Maybe that's something people can start thinking into if we haven't already. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. Um, all stupendous, amazing people um, out of between Finland and Los Angeles and all over the world, really. But um, the majority of the folks there are buddies of mine. I utilize the product on a daily basis. That is a uh, mushroom tea slash coffee company. So highly, highly recommend checking their product out. They have everything from lion's mane to chaga mushrooms to cordyceps. I use the cordyceps every time I uh, exercise before working out, before doing any kind of movement related stuff. I will bang out a cup of uh, cordyceps tea and uh, they're just fantastic. I've been just macking the, uh, <laughs> the the various blends on this trip. So I just arrived in Costa Rica just a few days ago and just trying to boost the immune system and keep my energy up while I'm teaching and such. The mushrooms have been lifesavers. So Highly, highly recommend checking out foursigmatic.com slash align. That's foursigmatic.com slash align. F-O-U-R sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash align. On there, you will get 10% off of any purchase that uh, that you have interest in. So highly, highly recommend checking those guys out. If you don't, um, I'd say you are missing out on some, some energy slash immune support potential that uh, everybody can use. Um, I think that's, that might be all right. Thanks so much for uh, picking up a free Audible book on the website. So slash, uh, just type it in on your phone. You go to audibletrial.com uh, slash align. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align. You get a free audio book and a uh, free month subscription with them. Pay absolutely nothing and uh, just cancel when you're done. Or if you want it, I would recommend keeping it if you're into it. Uh, so yeah, free audiobook there and helps support my travels, helps support this podcast. Greatly, greatly appreciated. And yeah, really, really awesome. So I think that might be what we got for you today. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Jack Cruz, for coming on. And uh, thanks for reviews on iTunes. And last thing, if you or your family utilizes Amazon at all to buy anything, if you could jump on the website and just click on the link for Amazon and any purchase that you make for the rest of your days, 7 to 8% gets kicked down to the Line Podcast Foundation. So that is super, super helpful. Uh, costs you absolutely nothing and is a great way to support this production that we call the Align Podcast. All right, here we go. Dr. Jack Cruz and... Uh, looking forward check out I'll be recording a conversation like I mentioned with Dr. Eric Goodman foundation training good man um, really cool I'm gonna be linking up with him here in a few days up in Nosara Costa Rica so I will keep you updated on my travels through Central America and I'll be back in LA in a few weeks so out here with the monkeys all right here we go back to the show Dr. Jack Cruz Align podcast. Be proud of me, man. I'm uh, I'm standing actually outside in some in some soil with some bare feet right now. I don't think you can. You'll probably be able to see it, but you tr you trust you trust. Yes. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Well, I was um, so I was just in, pre in preparing talking with you. I was reading into some of the some of the wacky stuff that I, I used to hear, like Rolf School and all that, was the emission of light from connective tissue, and uh -huh. um, you know, so the liquid crystalline matrix emits light and it's it's sensing light and. At the time, I kind of thought that was like wacky, crazy, again, more new age nonsense. And now I'm like, I'm like, all right, we got Cruz in the line. Like this is, this is, this is, it's becoming more real, you know? So well, it's, it's, it's been real. The, the crazy thing about that science, when you really dive into it, uh, you find out it's over a hundred years old. And the, you know, the classic experiment was designed in 1923 by a Russian scientist named Gerwich who basically, he was very simple, took an onion, cut the bottom of the onion off, and put another onion on the other side, and he was able to stimulate mitosis from one onion to the other. And what he found, this will show you how smart the guy was, they didn't have photomultipliers at the time. He put a piece of glass in between it and found that it stopped the mitosis. He took the glass out, found that the mitosis happened. Then he put a piece of quartz in between the two onions and found out it still happened. And he knew immediately that UV light was the key, why? because glass blocks UV light, quartz doesn't block it. And from there, we had a ton of science that took off. And most of the science, believe it or not, um, happened in Europe. It wasn't really in the States. The people in the States, the, the guy in the States at the same time that was doing these experiments was doing it on trees and plants. His name was Burr, and believe it or not, he was a big time scientist at Yale University. You know, and this is, we're talking in the 30s now. Uh, and one of the things that Burr found, and one of the things that Becker found later in the 60s, is that plants regenerate utilizing this DC current. And they found out that the DC current comes from light frequencies. And Becker proved the same thing in, in all mammals, but in humans. And when he proved it in humans, you would have you would have thought this was like a mic drop moment. And it turned out it wasn't. <laughs> the reason why is because in the 1960s, solid state physics was just starting. I mean, transistors had just been developed. So nobody could fathom in biology, this is actually how cells really work. And I always encourage people, you know, kind of like when you just said this, to go back and read this original work yeah. and, and you'll sit there and go, holy shit, we have known about this for so long. But the problem is just because something's published doesn't mean it's known. And that's and that's the problem. And if you really think about the big issue with the literature every year, you know, you have millions and millions of uh, I, I, I'm going to tell you how I feel about bullshit published that doesn't matter. And it clutters the literature. And really, the, the key to me for research and being a researcher is that you have to be really good and know what you're looking for. So in other words, when you find the things that are really important, that's when you go after that literature. And yeah. some, some critics of mine will say that's called cherry picking, but it's not. Because when you understand that everything fundamentally comes down to light, water, and magnetism, and I'm not the one that came up with that, believe it or not, it's NASA. When they look for extraterrestrial life, those are the three things that they use. And I got the idea about 12 years ago um, that that was going to be my focus. And, you know, I don't know if I told you this the last time we did the podcast, but when I started this whole process on the blog, uh, none of this stuff was easy. Like I, I spent just on the light part of things, I spent about 
ten to fifteen thousand dollars photocopying the stuff from European literature and translating it because you know there was no Google Translate then and reading this stuff and being fascinated and you know I went through like Becker's book and his bibliography pulled all that stuff and started to read it now you guys can listen to my a podcast that we're doing together and you can go out and buy Roland Van Wick's book called Life or Light Sculpting Life and it, for a hundred bucks, dude, you have all. I mean, it starts, it starts, it covers so much uh, that to me that book is is so incredible that humans today in 2017 can get that book for a hundred bucks and realize just how much we have wrong in biology, but also realize why we need to do a better job in the stuff that we believe. You know, uh, I just told another podcaster dude that I did a podcast with about two weeks ago about a lot of the crazy biohacks, you know, that I did from 2015, I should say 2014, 2015 into 2016. I thought I was only going to do them for 12 months. And it turned out that some of the information that I was getting was so incredibly powerful and linked back to a lot of this stuff you're asking me about now that I didn't stop the hacks. In fact, I took them further and went further and further. And the more I did, the more I learned. And, you know, that kind of stuff's going to be important when my unpublished biohacking book uh, comes out because a lot of the stuff that I found really occurred from September 2014 to about November of 2016. Literally, some of these things just stopped. And those things are going to help me and probably Ruben develop more devices, you know, more devices that we can use that use the principles around light, water, and magnetism to help people so that you guys can take these devices and begin to do not only biohacks, but mitohacks. That's really what I found the last two years is the 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 ability to hack your own mitochondria and understand what that heteroplasmy rate means and what the distance between those respiratory proteins really means for you and your environment with your haplotype and with your family history, man, it really is a game changer. And it really makes you focus in on that mitochondria is the engine in your Ferrari instead of focusing on the food that goes in the Ferrari, which is fuel. You know, and I hate to say it, but the big focus of most people in most podcasts is that they focus on the fuel and not the engine in the car. And to me, it's a it's a it is a catastrophic error. And I guess my job is to keep pointing that out, you know, and keep saying these things and talking about uh, these things out loud. Yeah. So for layman individuals or for anybody, can you kind of break down just like brief intro course on how to start servicing the, the engine, the mitochondria? Like, Yeah. Well, I mean, I've never done this before with anybody, but I'm thinking I may do it with you. I may actually share with you one of the biohacks that I did in, in 2015 and 2016 that just finished in November to give people an understanding. I, if your listeners don't know what the redox potential is, I'll explain it to you very simple. Yeah, please. The redox potential is 
the net negative charge that's present within a cell. And basically the best way to make your engine in the Ferrari work is you have to have more net negative charge than not. So what does that mean? That means from a physics perspective that electrons are better than protons. So when you get that message, then you start to go, okay, so electrons are an inflammation. Protons are inflammation, meaning positive charge. So our whole goal is to capture that. Well, what's the number one way, like the base way that we capture net negative energy. Well, that one's simple, it's from the sun. And the guy that's described that very well in simplistic terms is a guy named Pollock. Now, it wasn't his original idea. There was other people that came up with it, but he did some pretty eloquent experiments that showed that if you take sunlight, like outside here, and put it on water, it builds something called the exclusion zone. And what the exclusion zone does it, it separates protons away from this new chemical composition of water that happens just when sunlight hits it. No other energy needs to be added, okay? But here's the key. Pollock found in his experiments that just bringing sunlight and water together makes a huge net negative charge. In fact, it marries to the net negative charge that we find in cells as a biologist when we stick an electrode in it and says, oh, look, there's the net negative charge. That was very interesting. Now, here's where it gets really interesting for someone like you. You've heard about these supplement makers, okay, and these food gurus that talk about how important glutathione is, right? Yeah. So most people understand where glutathione comes from the diet, but most people don't understand actually how glutathione relates to Pollock's work. So I'll explain it to you. Glutathione is a three amino acid uh, protein. It's got glutamate, it's got cysteine, and it's got glycine. Now, the food gurus know, know the reason why glycine is important. That's why they tell everybody to eat bone broth. But here's the interesting part. They have no clue that glutathione really is the, the chemical that's made from sunlight and water. So in other words, the biohack that I did is I took glutamate, cysteine, and glycine and put it in water and put it in sunlight. And magically, guess what happened? I found that glutathione magically showed up in the mix mm. of water with an exclusion zone around it. So did I decide to do further experimentation to figure out, was this how we turn photochemical energy from the sun into physiochemical energy in the body? And it turns out that's exactly how it happens. Now, there's different processes for uh, glutathione and how it's made in the body because we can make it not only from sunlight and water, but we can also make it from foodstuffs. We can also make it from other pathways in the body. In other words, there's redundant pathways in order to make this. So for example, the reason why we have this process is as animals, we're designed to move across the tectonic plates and move in and out the canopies of the sun. So we can't just rely on the sun and water like plants do because they're fixed in it. We're not fixed. So we have to have other redundant places. So the key thing was with this biohack is I figured out actually how Pollock's physiochemical work in water and amino acids come together to form the basis of the battery in biology. Now that, that doesn't sound like a big deal to you, but let me tell you what, what I just told you, 
is a really big deal. I, I mean, a huge big deal, because what does it do? It bridges physical chemistry and biochemistry. And it begins to tell you how things really work in us. And when you understand that, say, for example, you can't make glutathione because you're a type 2 diabetic. Most people don't know that the first step uh, in making glutathione from diet is it's insulin dependent. So if you're insulin resistant, you can't make glutathione, okay? So how do you fix it? This is why I've always told people that diabetes is fundamentally a deficit of UV and IR light. How do you get it? If you're in sunlight, your water can make glutathione without you, even when you're insulin resistant. And see, that was the hack that I did. So what did I do? I got myself fatter and then made myself skinnier by using this process over a period of two years. And I went up and down, up and down while I kept testing. Now, of course, I had devices on that I was working on to see if these devices could somehow help or somehow hurt. And every step that I did, I learned something new. I learned something that I didn't know before. And I, of course, I kept jotting it down on my little notebook. Um, after about a period of two years, I began to realize <clears throat> truly why the food gurus are wrong and why Pollock's work is not going far enough and why it's not incorporated uh, into molecular biology. Now, the interesting thing is when you fundamentally understand light better, you begin to realize very quickly that the fuel isn't that important. Turns out that the engine is really important. So if you focus in on mitochondrial medicine of yourself, in other words, making that Ferrari completely energy efficient, you can eat anything. I mean, even shit on a shingle and get away with it. And, and if you really think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, that makes the most sense because guess what? There's no way to control for what foods will be in that environment as we walk across the plate, say for the four to six million years that humans have been available. And that's what, the reason why guys like Michael Pollan have written books and said, hey, humans are omnivores. We are. But you need to understand what gives us the ability to be an omnivore versus, say, like a cat who's an who's a obligate carnivore. They have to eat meat. Well, guess why? It has to do with how they make glutathione. And you make glutathione from eating meat when you're a cat. Why? You don't have the greatest ability to use it making other ways. Mm. And see, that's tied in to the biology. And when you begin to understand all these little nuances, um, that's when you can really begin to help people reverse diseases that right now we don't have answers for. Yeah. Like everybody knows, um, like just for obesity, that that's a it's a huge big deal, uh, and everybody wants to know why it's a problem. Uh, my perception of why obesity is a big issue in the United States and in Australia has radically changed in the last twelve years. I used to believe it was due to fuel excess. Now I believe it's due to energy inefficiency at the engine level, meaning at the mitochondria level. And believe it or not, I actually believe that subcutaneous fat is protective of the person who's fat. Uh, it acts like a Faraday cage to protect the remaining redox you have. So most people look at fat as a bad thing. I no longer do. I actually, it tells me that the environment that that person is in is incredibly toxic with non-native EMF and blue light.
And what is that doing? It's dehydrating their cells. And as the cell dehydrates, the mitochondrial respiratory protein spread out and they get sicker and sicker and bigger and bigger. And that's the reason why obesity is tied to many other diseases. Uh, but you can stay fat for a really long time and actually be healthy if you understand the connection to your environment. And the problem is many of the people in different parts of the country don't understand that. And, and that linkage hasn't been made. And, and this goes back to my point. It's not been made because of all the crap that we see in the literature. All these beliefs that we have that are really precepts of the truth and not concepts of the truth because they're not linked to the laws of nature. They're not linked to how light, water, and magnetism works. And for me, that's the real reason I'm a mitohacker because here from a very simple experiment that I just went over with you, you know, with a couple of amino acids and water and sunlight, dude, for two years, this has transfixed me, mm. totally transfixed me. It's actually helped me build other devices besides the quantlet. It's got me thinking in different rabbit holes that when I started this process in, in 2004, I saw, sorry, 2014, I didn't know that I was going to go down. And see, that's the beauty of science. That is what science is supposed to be about. It's, a, it's about learning things on the fly. In other words, you thought you knew what your hypothesis was, and all of a sudden it goes poof and goes away, and you find something new. Uh, the, the cool thing about it for us is since we're all humans, we all have mitochondria, but the difference is that our mitochondria is an N equals one game. Your mitochondria and my mitochondria are not equivalent. You know, you got them from your mom, I got them from my mom. We live in a totally different environment and the things we do. But what I find in my hack, you're going to be interested because what's going to happen, the results will rhyme. In other words, if you start to do the same thing that I tell you to do, you're going to start noticing changes that are going to be consistent with what I tell you. Now, the magnitude or the amplification will be different because your heteroplasmic rate is likely lower than mine is. Okay, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. It's who I inherited from, what I do, how old I am, what my glutathione status was from zero to 40 years old compared to yours. Those are all these little nuances that food gurus um, and allopathic doctors and alternative doctors really do not even consider. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, I pulled off of your your uh, blog recently a quote from her name is Gretchen Bronson. It says, "How's it go? You've got to work at living when 99 percent of the globe is working at dying." And I think that that's something that I see with clients all the time. You know, where it's like we're working with connective tissue and structural issues and all that stuff, but I can't help but bring myself to before I get into any of that. You know, get into what's happening with their sleep. What's happening with you know? Are you staring at your cell phone before you're going to bed? What's the quality of water that you're having? Are you ever grounding yourself? Are you ever taking your shoes off and running around in the park? You know, there's all these low-hanging fruit that we're just completely bypassing, and we want to have that. You know, we end up going to the surgery. <laughs> You know, it's like, no, I mean, it's. It, I love the way you put that because that quote that Gretchen made, she made a long time ago, and it's very accurate. The, the, the problem is people don't like the implications of what this means. We have to be connected with nature, and that's the key. And I think most of us, you know, I think every single one of us knows that when we go on vacation, we feel better, but we think we feel better because it reduces our stress. And that's not true. When you go on vacation, 
you're improving your redox. Why? Because you're wearing less clothes. You're usually connected. You're laissez-faire. You're doing the things instinctually that you would normally do. But see, we don't pay attention to that. We don't think that that's a big deal. And the reason why these things are a huge big deal uh, is because light works in a nonlinear fashion. What does that mean? What does nonlinear mean to a regular Joe? It means small little changes lead to massive amplifications in your life. And people just don't get that light excites electrons and energizes them. When it does that, it makes the engine in your body work way better. You can turn a Nissan Sentra blowing black smoke into a Ferrari that's $220,000 just by connecting with nature. And it sounds crazy, just like you said to me in the beginning of this, that this was all new age crap, and it's really not. That's how we're designed to work by nature. And the thing is, the more you jump down this rabbit hole, the more interesting it becomes because you start to realize how collagen and how water talk to mitochondria and how collagen basically forms the electric power grid, why it's piezoelectric, how it connects between the, the mitochondria and the nucleus and how those two different genomes talk to each other. I mean, people don't even realize that the mitochondrial genome is bacterial. We stole it. And the nuclear genome comes from viruses that we assimilated through our naturally leaky gut. 98% of the human genome is viral parts. Think about that for a minute. So you have two colonies inside you. It's like having Apple and Microsoft. And guess what the key is? Collagen and water between actually decipher. They're the transformer that allow Windows to talk to Safari. Yeah. And that's really how it works. Yeah. That, so the, the, the piezoelectric effect is, you know, you learn that's like kind of the, how your body receives the indication of whether we should build tissue or break down tissue amongst, I'm sure, lots of other things. Um, I'm curious, your perspective on how, like, what is stiffness in the body? One of the wacky things, I recently got one of these aura ring things. I'm uh-huh. sure you're familiar with them. And uh-huh. I've just been tinkering with it. And one of the best indicators that I've gotten from it is, is uh, inflammation in my body. You know, so I'm seeing, like, now I have this 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 size of like oh I need to change the ring to another finger because I'm more I'm more inflamed or you know my fingers are bigger right now <laughs> you know I wonder what are some of the indicators of, of tissue stiffness that we're just chronically stiff and we don't even realize why we just think that's a, a natural part of life you know but well, is there some other a, things components let's use a real world example that we all know and I think we talked about this the last time we talked about it. If we didn't, it's a good review anyway. I want you to think about if me and you were hanging out right now and we had some leftover steak that we ate last night and we wanted to heat it up and we just threw it in the microwave because we wanted to put it in an omelet. Well, if we didn't wrap it around with a wet paper towel, what would that steak taste like when it came out? It would be dehydrated, right? It would be like shoe leather. Right. Everybody's had that experience, I think, especially if you went through college and tried to heat up things and it tasted like shit. Well, that's exactly what's happening to our tissues in the modern world. So we don't realize that when we live in a blue lit world at night and non-native EMF all around us from things like this and the stuff that's on your head, we don't realize that these things all have cumulative effects. So effectively on the surface of the earth, in the ionosphere, we are now the piece of meat. So your question is, when you took the meat out, you know that it's stiff like shoe leather. Well, why do you get like shoe leather? For the exact same reason. Because you've lost water, you've lost electrons in your body. So you lose your net negative charge. Your redox potential, when you're stiffer, 
is much higher, I should say much lower, meaning that it's not good. And that's the reason why massage therapy, rolfing, all the things that you hear from the alternative guys or PRP injections, things like that, those things help those areas locally, okay? But the key thing is if you do not understand how to really build up the redox over time to reestablish that, you'll be chronically stiff and you'll wind up with a disease like a flexor contracture or one of the diseases that most people know about is fibromyalgia. That's that's effectively what it is. It's stiffness of the muscle because those people never get any red light exposure from the sun. And that's the reason why it occurs. And the thing is, when you see somebody with this disease, the reason that they cannot make changes is A, they're institutionalized in their indoor existence. They're always around technology. Um, They never get naked and go outside. Um, And the other really bad thing is when they come to see us as clinicians, they usually have cognitive haze. Why? Because it's it's like a Robin Hood phenomenon. When your muscles are really weak, you're trying to steal the net negative charge from where it is. This is your major battery right here when you're a human. The other place is your heart. That's where you bury your mitochondrial capacity. So the reason why these people can't exercise, they don't have the stroke volume in their heart to allow their muscles that are stiff to do anything, but they also don't think well. Their cognitive haze is constant. So when you try to teach them what we're talking about right now, it's like, right over their head. Yeah. They're like, dude, I can't handle this. You know, this is too much. And then you look at them as a clinician and go, what do you mean it's too much? Get your ass outside and get naked, drink water. How hard is that? Just be like the Sphinx, yeah. you know? And believe it or not, when people have that problem, not only do your muscles get stiff, but I'll say this to you, your ideas, your emotions yeah. get stiff. Yeah. And it affects everything in your life. And the thing is, the beautiful thing is, the stuff that we're talking about today, when you understand the biophysics of the redox potential, like we talked about in the biohack in the beginning of this, dude, you can fix this. It's completely reversible. It's apply. We are neuroplastic. We are, our biochemistry is thermoplastic. Everything about us we can change if we're just willing to give another shot to nature. That's the key. That's so good. Um, yeah. So uh, you're you're mentioning batteries and such, and one of the thing the analogies that I use sometimes. I'm curious your your perception on it is I compare the the human organism or any living organism to kind of like one of those battery uh, uh, flashlight things that you wind up and you have to create that friction, create that energy in order to create the light. You know. So with humans, it's like every time you take a shit, every time you pee, every time you sweat, you get in the infrared sauna, you have sex, you climb the tree. What you're doing is you're winding up your battery. <laughs> Is there yeah. is there anything to that as far as like electrons, no, actually, protons? Actually, actually, what you said there is a good thing, and and I would tell you, I think that's how it works. The the way I describe it with my patients, and it's funny that we're talking about this because I did it yesterday with a patient. I tell them when your battery capacitor is low, I want you to think of yourself like a 1970s Cadillac. That means the car may start, but the power antenna and the power windows and the power steering may not work. And the reason why is because you just don't have enough juice, enough current within the battery and the alternator to make those things work. Well, we're exactly the same. If your mitochondria cannot produce enough energy to make all of our accessory systems work, 
then guess what happens? The body protects the brain and the heart. That's the thing that it protects for survival, uh, but it takes away your ability to do other things. That's the reason why people will develop Hashimoto's or why they'll develop, you know, um, cognitive haze or why they develop, you know, whatever disease you want to talk about or fibromyalgia. It, it occurs in different tissues in different people because of the environment that they live in. Yeah. And that's the key. Yeah. I have a, a random question for you. I recently, recently as in like a few months ago, got a, one of those cables that you can drive around in your car and it's like grounds you as you're driving. I wonder, is that total, is that BS? It's like hooked down to a metal part in my, in my seat and I wear it sometimes because I don't know, well, you can, fingers crossed. You can ground through the uh, engine block, uh, but I will tell you that it's actually not as easy with new cars as it is with old cars. So I would tell you all my cars are grounded. In fact, um, just a plug here, one of my members named Scott Compton just wrote, I mean, just went out two days ago, a new blog post about, um, you know, how to biohack your environment. And he just went through it. He just moved from Seattle up to Bend, Oregon. Oh, no way. And we didn't, put, yeah, we didn't put, we didn't put a lot of the stuff in there about the car, but you can ground through your car. The key is you have to make sure you do it right. And the reason why I pointed out this blog, if you look at the sites in it, he put down all the different uh, devices that you would use to do that. One of the big ones for you when you ground, you need to get a body voltage meter when you're in the car, when it started, and see what it is. The other thing is you can even use a voltage meter in the inside of the car. That will tell you if you have any stray voltage in there, because if you do, then you got to be careful because believe it or not, I've had a couple of my own members who tried to do this and they actually made the situation worse. Mm. The real key thing is especially out where you are now in California, I actually told somebody this in, in 2014, it was, it was September, October. I actually went to the Tesla dealership in LA, brought all my devices with me and they wouldn't even let me sit in the car with it started with the devices and I had them in, you know, a knapsack and I think they knew what I was going to do. The one that I got out was an RF device that made an audible sound and dude, it, it was crazy. <laughs> and I looked at the, the guy and I said, you're going to tell me this car is safe. Yeah. And, and he was like, what, it, what is these devices and this and that? And you know, they asked me to leave the dealership. <laughs> I mean, it was, Miracle. This was in L.A. Yeah. And I was I was actually on my way to talk to a group of guys that Neil Strauss had got together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And buddies, buddies with this, Neil. this. Right. And this and this is one of the uh, this was one of the biohacks that I just told you. All these things that I was doing were all tied together. But the point is, I don't want people to assume just because you think you're grounding means you're grounding. Yeah. You need to actually test it and see if it's working. Um, and with most of the devices that are listed in the sites of that Reality 5 blog, I think most people can do that with minimal knowledge. You guys in California are really lucky because you can hire non-native uh, EMF engineers to come out and truly biohack your whole environment uh, if you want it. And they can tell you where your problems really lie. Yeah. Um so as I mentioned last time, I think it's like blasphemy that no one ever talks to you about neurosurgery, and uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, but so I've been reading about like like old school, you know, you know, but trepanation. Have you ever heard of that before? Like old, and like yep. used to do the, it a lot. Son of a gun, man! So apparently forty percent. That's how, 
of the of it's, this. Actually, it's still the same. <laughs> it's still the number one way that we take care of chronic subdural hematomas. Good God! So my curiosity. So it's just, just did one this week. So, in fact. So so like? so fun ridiculous fact. I didn't realize that was happening still. So fun ridiculous fact. Forty percent of the skulls found throughout Cusco from three three thousand years ago had been trepaned or like holes drilled in their heads. Approximately sixty five percent of this people survived, so they could see the scar tissue developing around it. I just think that's very interesting. Um, what do you see as the evolution of neurosurgery? Do you think we're going to be looking back what's happening in two thousand seventeen and be like? That was insane that we did that. Or do you think that it's it's legit? Well, that's a, it's a great question. I, I will tell you, th this is going to be both good and bad for you. It's probably really bad for my profession, but most of my profession will never listen to this. <laughs> Neurosurgery is extremely dogmatic. It's probably the most conservative group of physicians in the United States. Uh, and for good reason. I, I don't want to pound on them too much because when it comes to the brain, literally one millimeter, two millimeter mistake can have devastating consequences for the patient. But what we don't realize in neurosurgery is truly how the brain works. So we are working on principles that are literally prehistoric. Uh, and the problem is quantum biology offers neurosurgery, in my opinion, the biggest advantages in all of medicine. Why? Because I fundamentally have learned in 12 years, especially these biohacks I told you about the last three years, that as the brain goes, the heart and everything else follows. This is where most of your mitochondria are. So if you get this right, you get a lot else right. And this is more important than anything else, which is again, one of the paradigm shifts with the food girls. The food girls, you know, basically want you to look like Adonis on the outside. And I pointed out to somebody not that long ago, I said, let me ask you a question, what's more important? If you're a gorilla, having a nice physique is probably smart. But if you're a human, don't you want your brain in tip top shape? I mean, would you rather think or look well? And sadly in California, especially with your buddy Luke Story, the answer is people are more into the vanity aspect of things and I get that but what I'm trying to explain to people is if you focus in on your mitochondria in your brain and your heart you will stay away from my profession for the longest period of time I think there's actually a detriment to trying to put your mitochondrial capacity in your muscles because I think you're going to steal it from two other places and that's part of the reason why um, we see so many of these bodybuilders die really early. I mean, you never see these guys. You never see an Arnold Schwarzenegger at 80 years old. I mean, the only guy that I can think of off the top of my house head is happens to be one of my friends, Jeff Life, um, who uh, is a Senegenics guy, but he's using chemicals to do it, okay? Um, I don't think it's a huge advantage. And, and the reason I say that is because of all the things that I've learned about mitochondria and about neurosurgery. And I think neurosurgery, maybe 200 years from now, we'll look back on this and say, yeah, I cannot believe what we used to be doing. There's so many different diseases that we treat now uh, that I think need to have radical relooks at. But I will say just in my short career in 25 years, we used to open up heads to, to clip aneurysms all the time. We hardly ever do that anymore. Now we're taking care of it through the circulation. Now, we still haven't gotten rid of aneurysms because, remember, we're treating the symptoms, not the etiology of the disease. 
And really what quantum biology does is actually treats the etiology of the disease so that you never have the need for neurosurgery. And see, that is a very disruptive message for medicine. Yeah. And that's the reason why um, I think the dogmatic effect in medicine, it's, it's going to be really slow to adapt to quantum biologic uh, techniques. And I personally believe that that's the reason why guys like you, guys like Luke, guy, just guys listening to this, especially like quantified self people, biohackers, mitohackers, they're going to take this information and they're going to realize just how powerful it is. I, that's why I always tell all my patients, you have a very powerful doctor inside your head. The problem is you don't listen to it. Yeah. 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 The, the I've, I've been getting into neurofeedback recently. Are you familiar with that? Have you? Yes. Okay. And so one of the things in relation to neurofeedback that's, that's, I find to be pretty cool is it was the actual, the development of your fine motor skills as a product of developing your, you know, cultivating your brain through neurofeedback or through meditation mm -hmm. or whatever it may be, you know, and, and that connection that we're seeing through actually our physical movement and our, and our brain, you know, it's like we, we see it as kind of being this like reductionist separate system, but it's like you're saying, it's, it's not, all one integrated it's all connect piece. I mean, these are giant reflex loops. I mean, what people don't realize what neurofeedback is doing, it's taking the afferent and efferent loop. Remember, the afferent loop is the sensory side. The efferent loop is the motor side. What's in between is the neocortex. That's the neocortex of the brain. So if you do either training on either side, for example, listening to music, how does that work? It's the same as neurofeedback. Uh, same thing with meditation. When you do meditation, you're actually working both sides of the equation because you're focusing in on the neocortex as you do it. So they're all working different parts of the same system and they don't realize it. Um, that's part of the reason, for example, in neurofeedback, I'll give you, uh, uh, let me just answer my Yeah, no worries, question. man, no worries. Um, one, of, one of the things about neurofeedback that um, that is interesting, it, it works by solitons and, pho and phonons. Those are sound waves. So in other words, when you move your arm, just like I'm doing right now, I just sent a shock wave through my arterial system that eventually is going to hit my thalamus and that's going to radiate up into my neocortex. And that's going to give that circuit an efferent loop in other words to relax some of the extensor muscles in my arm so that way I'm loose goose. So it goes back to your, your tension aspect. Right. So when you have something that's in tension, that's why neurofeedback can work. That's the reason why uh, meditation can work. It's also the reason why when you put a vibrating thing on your arm, it actually feels better. That's actually how a TENS unit physically works. It, it has multi-modalities in it, but these things all work on biophysics. Nothing, that's why I always have this statement, everything is quantum, nothing is zen. The problem is you blame zen when you don't understand the quantum. Yeah. And that's yeah. the key. You know, it all comes back to light water and magnetism. No matter no matter what topic you want to bring up, it comes back to it and I mean people are not don't even realize that when sunlight hits our body and we're just naked outside, it's creating sound waves in us because that's that light has a frequency to move proteins in our body, to move electrons within those proteins in the body. And that small movement, that nonlinear movement creates massive effects 
Mm. I wonder your perception on um, light emitted from various different parts of the body as far like for example like the chakra system they say they say like lower chakra is more red then orange then turns yellow then green then blue and then da, 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 all the way through is to that is to you is that complete fooey is there any kind of connection of different variances of light throughout the body or what do you think you'll be very surprised to hear this Aaron when uh, <laughs> you know we me and Ruben came up with this device called the quantlet okay and one of the things that we decided to use, we had to show people how this physically could work. So I came up with the idea of using a GDV camera. Do you know what a GDV camera is? No, it actually no. measures, but it measures the biophoton released from different parts of your body. Mm. It actually uses the chakra system. Mm. So we can put you on the GDV camera before you put the quantlet on, and we will see exactly where your chakras are. We can then program the quantlet certain way based on what that initial feedback is and we can align your chakras just by using light mm -hmm. and we can show you the before and after have you heard of the so it does work have you... and yeah go on it's 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 very very interesting because like i said most of this stuff is considered new age bullshit by people in allopathic medicine but again when you start to read the stuff that's in Fritz Pop's work and Roland Van Wick's book, yeah. you begin to realize this is a whole other aspect of science that is actually more important and more germane. Because remember, right now we're thinking about chemicals, you know, in the body, like biochemicals. But we don't realize those biochemicals all vibrate and, and, and rotate and oscillate at different frequencies. Guess what those frequencies are tuned to? Light frequencies. So in other words, NAD, NADH and the NADH and NAD positive couple that's in cytochrome one oscillates at 340 nanometers. That's UV light. So when somebody tells you that UV light's bad for you, just say to them, well, how come cytochrome one's major fluorophore protein works at 340 nanometers? Or a better one, how about hemoglobin? Hemoglobin goes from the UV from 270 all the way up to 600. There's a strong cutoff at 600. So that means hemoglobin that has no mitochondria works in the UV and IR range with a sharp cutoff. And the irony is hemoglobin almost parallels the solar spectrum. See, the solar spectrum goes from 260 to about 780, but hemoglobin has a sharp cutoff at 600, right before you get into the deep reds. And there's a reason why hemoglobin has no mitochondria because it acts as a ferry boat of light. All the things that are in a hemoglobin molecule, the number one thing is porphyrins. And guess what porphyrins all do? They absorb all frequencies of UV light. So what are they functionally doing? They're capturing the light and bringing it to cells where mitochondria are. What's the difference in plants? The photosynthetic machinery is right where the chloroplast is, okay? In other words, it's the same. Why is that more simple? Plants don't move, do they, my friend? They're connected to the Earth's magnetic field and to the canopy, and they don't move around. We do. So our ability to work with sunlight is a little bit more complex than what a plant is. But the irony is chlorophyll is called magnesium porphyrin. Hemoglobin is called iron porphyrin. The chemical is exactly the same. The only difference is is the metal in the middle. And the reason why the metal in the middle matters is because one 
has 12 or 13 electrons. The other one has 26 electrons. What did I tell you before about light? Works photoelectrically. The more electrons you have, the more light you can capture. Mm. So the more complex animal has iron. The less complex plant has magnesium because they don't need those extra 13 electrons to do the life that a plant does because it's always in the sun and always connected to the Earth's magnetic field. We're not designed to be like that. We're designed to live a life partially disconnected from it. And it turns out the more disconnected we are from the Earth and the sun, the more food we have to eat to make the offset. That's how it works. Hmm. Yeah, have you heard of the work? I, I believe it was her name's Valerie Hunt, and it was like the the Rolf yes. experiment, you know, where they yeah. were they were doing they were doing body work. And last I time you mentioned the Jared Rice doctor, you know, she's she's recently passed away, but I don't know if you know what she really became famous for in, in California. She was the one that was able to explain how two master dancers can dance in complete unison with each other, and. I heard her give a talk one time out in San Francisco mm. about why Jerry Rice and Joe Montana were so good together. Mm-hmm. It's because they were entangled. Yeah. Like, Joe Montana knew when Jerry Rice was going to break off routes because they were just like two ballet dancers. And it was just like the ballet dancers there. She figured out that people were using nonverbal communication through light to actually do this. And she was brilliant way before our time. But Again, the science was not there to support her claim. So what did, you know, real scientists call her? Kooky. They said, you're, you're nuts. And the truth comes out later that she was spot on the money. See, that's the, the beautiful thing about science. When you observe, and you're a really good observer, you may not be able to understand the effect because you don't know the science. But it doesn't mean the absence of the science doesn't eliminate the effect. The effect should always make a huge impact on the human brain. Why? Because once an effect occurs in life, that means there has to be an explanation for it. And just because we don't know the explanation doesn't mean it's, you know, bullshit or crazy. Hmm. I wonder, so that entrainment, we always think of it of, of linking to other people and linking to culture, linking to, you know, whatever it may be. I wonder if in this conversation, we're kind of talking about in training to ourselves, you know, that there's there's kind of like this separate ego of like who I think I am, what I'm thinking I'll I'm supposed to do. What it is. It's called intuition. You yeah. come into this world connected to the environment. And the problem is culture and society job is to disconnect you from that intuition. Then you become a slave. And, correct. And, and I hate to say that because one of the cool things that we're doing today, we're sharing biophotons, we're sharing electrons through this medium, but we also need to be cognizant of how society and culture takes us apart. And I'll give you a perfect example. I don't know how you feel about this, but we're, we're all facing it right now in the United States. We see how a media is working with this new president and completely trying to take things out of context. And the president responds in kind saying, oh, kiss my ass. And no matter what your ideology is, you could have somebody in California who sees it the media's way, and then somebody like me who sees it Trump's way, okay? And the key thing is that disconnection, in my opinion, was brought about by society and culture. See, the thing is, that's why I have this big thing, Aaron, about when I meet somebody physically, 
I like to sample their biophotons. People always always say this to me that when they meet me in real life, they come away with a very different perspective of what they get when we do a podcast or when we do you know a Skype interview because you can't sample that person truly how we're designed to work. And I think one of the things that's really missing from our human interaction, and I hate to say that technology I think is one of the big problems, is that we're going in our own shell. We're not going and hanging out enough and doing the things we do. One of my members, his name's Devin Chase, young kid, 26 years old, he said something very profound in one of the private Facebook groups I have for the uh, people on my site. He said, Jack, do you know why I go to these conferences? You know, like he goes to all, like the Bulletproof Conference, this conference, that. He goes, it's not to listen to any talks. It's actually to meet the people and to talk to them. And he goes, he goes, that's how I actually met you. And he goes, that had a profound impact on me in terms of meeting you and seeing you. And he's been to other live events that I do. And when he said it to me just like two weeks ago, I was like, you know, he's actually right. It's the same reason I go to neurosurgery meetings and it's the same reason I don't want to go to neurosurgery meetings because I'm not interested in really most of the talks. Most of the talks, to be honest with you, are superfluous. They're, they're, they're not, very rarely are you gonna hear something that truly is mind altering, but you know what? Most of the cool things that I've heard this week have come straight out of someone's mouth that was in front of me. Yeah. And I think that's what we're missing. I think, I think that's the reason why when people fall in love, it's so powerful because it's a connection with another human being. That's why I call it entanglement. Yeah. And I think we need to become more entangled with people and I think we also need to become entangled with nature. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the last thing I'll be able to I'll be able to say before we got to wrap up because it's getting to be that time. But uh, there was a study that I saw where they took a, a big group of sixth graders and they took them out into nature for a week and so separated from technology. And what they found afterwards was that they, they were significantly more capable of empathy. And so they showed them, I believe it was 50 different slides of different people's faces and they people that were taking out of that technological kind of suck, they were able to see like, oh, that face, he's feeling, you know, fill in the blank. People, when we get right. sucked into our cell phones, we actually lose that, that empathy and that entanglement and that entunement. And I think that that's, it's, it's, it's like a, it's a disease. Aaron, just think about what's going on in Twitter now. Think about what's going on in Twitter. Is it, don't you find it amazing how human beings now will treat each other on social media yeah. versus you would never say this stuff to somebody straight to their face. And I, I hate to say it, but I think your generation has really lost this. See, I grew up at a time where I gotta be honest with you, I really like sitting down with people. I mean, I just told you, I came back from Mexico, I had 30, 30, 35 of my members with me. And dude, it was one of the best times. And it wasn't the best times because we talked about anything that was mind altering. It was actually getting a chance to actually see truly what those people were about. Like, you know, I have an ambient awareness of what they are on social media, but you really don't know until you physically meet somebody, truly what it is. And, and I always tell people this, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel that we're all resonating antennas. And I think that we are drawn to other antennas that resonate with us. It's kind of like what I said to you before about the NADH couple and UV light. 340 makes that molecular resonance connection. Well, I think it's the same thing with people. Like you are drawn to do things with certain people 
because you have a connection with them. And I think that connection is really hardwired when you meet them. I don't think it's that great um, when you don't meet them. Yeah. Uh, I think there's you're missing something, and I hate to say it, but I think that's the reason why people have short fuses and low dopamine on social media. It's because you're missing a part of that connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, extra last thing when 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 similar amplitudes come together similar frequencies come, frequencies come together it's called rhythmic entrainment it's exactly what we've been talking about the whole time you know and then when right. they come together they become larger waves that's what we freaking need people <laughs> you know we need like-minded people to have these conversations come together so we can actually have an impact when you separate them into parts again that's the slavery part that's when we can control Gotta come right. together. Come on. Where do people find you and all that stuff? <laughs> Thanks for coming. Well, on. you know, here's the other. You got to realize the the other part of this, though, too, is that science requires skepticism and doubt. In other words, you need to have a little bit of bad in your life. That's where the yin yin and yang comes in. See, if you only have people that totally resonate with you, then you'll not have the other slide, the side of the equation where maybe you are missing something. So. You can never know the good without knowing the bad. So I would tell you from a science perspective, uh, my mind is always open, kind of like what you said to me today about the things that you were asking about, piezoelectricity and Valerie Hunt. Is this woo? No, it's not woo. And you, and you need to know that by you asking that question and you need to be comfortable in asking that question to people when you interview them because you're going to learn something about that person right away if they tell you no this is not possible this and that that's where a mind they tell you they're telling you that that's where a mind stops thinking yeah. i would tell you that i think anything that a mind can ask a question about the possibilities there the key thing is do we know about it or not and that's usually what I tell people. If I don't know something, I'm going to go and look look it up and, and see that I missed something or not. That's what gets me fired up when people talk to me. But I think you always need to keep an open mind when it comes to science because no science is settled. The truth in science is a misnomer. Everything's about approximations. And how did I learn that? It's all tied back to quantum physics because that's exactly what quantum physics is about. It's about probabilities. And probabilities isn't about truth or false. Where the truth usually lies is somewhere between those two. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for people to refer back to your work, what's the best way to locate? And check out the other podcasts we did. And hopefully we'll keep on doing them. But um, how do people find you? Yeah, you can find me at uh, jackcruise.com. Uh, I have a blog there. I also have a forum. So there's two places. If you want to get a flavor for kind of what I'm really like, just go to my Dr. Jack Cruise Facebook page. And every day you're going to get a different flavor of quantum biology from ways that you probably never thought with articles and sites that tie to it. And if you're inclined to read books, I would tell you I have a book on Amazon called the Epi Paleo RX. Uh, you can read me there. And uh, if you're interested in more, you become a member. Uh, you'll get access to me every month where we can actually talk back and forth. And I do live member events. I only do those for members of my website. I don't do those for the lay public. And uh, I just finished doing one two weeks in Mexico, and I'm doing another one in about six weeks. Cool. Thanks so much, man. It's um, it's super fun. One of my favorite people to to get to get into the weeds with. So, <laughs> thanks. All right.
All right, brother. We'll, we'll, we'll see you soon. All right, thanks. Align Podcast. Thank you once again for uh, for Sigmatic for supporting this podcast and for bringing such a radical product to the world. Uh, I utilize the cordyceps and lion's mane before any workout movement session that I do. Uh, chaga mushrooms every morning as I'm traveling. I always bring along some type of mushroom bl- blend for immune support and just overall vitality. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Tim Ferriss has been loving that. Sean Stevenson, I believe, from the Model Health Show as well has been getting down on those. Um, so they are spread like wildfire and i highly recommend you checking them out um, jump on to foursigmatic.com slash align for 10 percent off of your purchase i can't re- recommend it more uh foursigmatic.com slash align f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c.com slash align and you will get 10 percent off of any purchase from four sigmatic thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast if you guys want to show some support show some love for what we're doing here um, you can jump on the website aligntherapy.com a-l-i-g-n therapy.com and then from there a uh, couple things you can do one of which you could actually donate through patreon there's a link on the right hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page uh, you can utilize the amazon affiliate link uh, anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on amazon please and thank you bookmark that link every time you do it we get something like seven percent of your purchase and it helps support this show it is awesome so great as well something you could do that is ultra helpful if you or anybody that you knows um, has ears and likes books uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align that's a-u-d-i-b-l-e trial.com slash align and then from there that is uh, you get a free audio book from audible they have something like i don't know a bajillion different titles to choose from uh one that i would recommend that i got from them was shantaram i it's a huge book and uh, again all free no matter what size the book you get and that got me through i listened to that as i was traveling through morocco and uh, just really really amazing website uh, amazing service couldn't recommend it more and uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show boom um thanks so much for reviews on itunes that's greatly appreciated and thanks just in general for listening thanks for supporting thanks for for spreading the word all right i can't express enough how much i appreciate all that if you guys ever have any questions or comments you feel free to email me directly at aaron at aligntherapy.com and i would love to talk all right see you guys Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.